uh, this evening. We thank you for coming out uh, for Grow Night for Bible study. Um, we pray that you're uh, you're ready to uh, spend some time in God's Word as we continue to study Hebrews uh, chapter uh, ten uh, this evening, and we're going to look at uh, verses thirty two through thirty four, Lord willing. And so we're so delighted to see you here tonight. Before we get started, we do have some announcements, and then we're going to sing hymns. 149, praise him, praise him. I did remember that part. Uh, we're going to sing that tonight, a praise unto the Lord. Uh, but far, uh, just uh, some announcements to let you know. Uh, next Wednesday evening, um, <coughs> the officers that are here, uh, we uh, will be having a meeting immediately following Grow Night. So please uh, remember that um, and, and praying for us, but also as a form of announcement. Um, also, we do have the Lord's Supper this month at the end of the month on the 25th. And we'll be having uh, Brother Hamp uh, preaching for us that morning um, <clears throat> as he transitions to Pastor Emeritus. And uh, so he'll be preaching. And just have your ears open uh, sometime beginning of March, first couple Sundays. Uh, we're going to have uh, uh, just a time um, of honoring Brother Hamp and, and, uh, and recognizing him in his new role. And then we're going to do what Baptists do best, right? And that's going to be eating after us, have a fellowship meal. And just honoring him and saying thank you and how we look forward uh, to a new season in his life and ministry here at First Baptist. We're so delighted uh, to do that. So be uh, in prayer for that as well. Um, also, uh, to let you know, and uh, in, in, in the pastor's meeting and talking, um, maybe probably in the future and probably in the next several weeks, uh, we're, we have, well, I say talking about, thinking about, but um, we have senior adults who can't travel at night struggle to travel at night and so that sometimes prevents them to come to things they want to come such as grow night and bible study that we have here so uh, in light of that we just thought we would give a trial run see how it goes um, on wednesdays and you'll hear me officially announce this later on a certain date but wednesdays at 10 a.m here in the fellowship hall uh where mostly myself but at other times brother mark too uh will be leading the same exact bible study that we're doing that wednesday evening so it'll be the same so, uh, so keep your ears open for that because I'd love for us to share that with those who struggle coming out on Sunday uh, nights or Wednesday nights, you know, because of, of, of the darkness and the time of year. Uh, so uh, we, we want to give that a try, you know, if it's, if it's four or five, six, however, that's great. And we'll study the book of Hebrews. We just want to make sure uh, we're being able to, to teach and, and spend time with the folks and doing Bible study with them. So, uh, so uh, be in prayer for that. Um, we'll have, you know, have some coffee and, and a good study. And um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the church in Columbus, Covenant Presbyterian Church, uh, where Mark has been helping their pastor some time, well, Mark was in a hospital. So he asked me to cover and went down there. And it was at 1030 and, and a nice little crowd. And it just put that seed of thought in there going, hey, we have a handful of people that might come to this. So uh, so anyway, so uh, so be in prayer for that. You'll hear more about that in the future. Now, before we sing, um, I, I just want to uh, do a plug real quick for some resources that are for you. Um, one, we have already seen once before. Uh, we have plenty of these, gentle and lowly. Uh, several church members, we, I stacked about six out there. They're all gone. And um, so we have more. We have, a, I prob we have a total. We had a total of 20. Um, and so you need to get this book. Um, if you ever listen to anything I ever say, <laughs> Uh, uh, listen to the word, but uh, but my advice, get this book and use it devotionally. Now, the, their chapters are not very long, they're about four or five pages, 
Uh, but I've had people come up to me, church members, saying, wow, that's, 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 that's a great book. And, and so it's a book focused on the passion of Christ uh, for his people. And it goes, every chapter is a breakdown of a text of scripture. And uh, so please, please grab a hold of that. They're, they're out on that table. Uh, secondly, we have uh, 20 of these as well. I'm taking some of these to our preaching lab tomorrow for our preacher boys. Uh, but it's called The Law and Gospel. And um, this one, is, it's a little bit different. This is more of a, a learning type read. It's not necessarily devotional in its goal. But as you read it, it affects your heart, if that makes sense. Um, and we invite you uh, to, to get a hold of these. This one may take you a little time to read, and that's okay. No one's in a rush. No one's in a race. So uh, take your time. Uh, read it. It helps us to understand what, what is the role of the law, what is the gospel, and now that we're in the new covenant, what, what is the law upon our heart? What is that, right? And so this author, uh, a Scottish minister, uh, wrote this in uh, uh, the mid-18th century. So, yes, it's a dead guy. Um, but um, it's, it is a wonderful, wonderful read. It's been very, uh, very uh, encouraging to me in my walk with Christ and how I read the scriptures through the covenant of the gospel and the lens of the gospel. So those are out there, and there we just put out probably 20 more other type of resources out there of all kinds of people. So before you leave tonight, go out there. If it's sitting there, it's yours. Just grab it. Take it. Use it. Some are books. Some are pamphlets. Uh, some are booklets. So that's there for you. Please take those and to continue to grow in Christ and your walk with Christ. Now, that being said, I want to sing a hymn to the Lord, hymn 100. 49, praise and praise him. Let's sing together. And it'd be my delight this evening to have us turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 10. We're going to read verses 32 down to 39, but our uh, focus this evening is going to be on verses 32 through 34. Let us hear the word of the Lord. But remember the former days. When after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. This is God's word. Let us pray. Eternal Father, our hearts are full of joy and gratitude as we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we offer up this prayer, these petitions, these intercessions this evening as we study your word, a holy word that's infallible, inspired, alive, and active, and, and we are told it would not return void. And that is our hope tonight. So, Lord, minister to our hearts by your blessed Holy Spirit. May he conform us into the image of Christ. It is in his name we ask all these things. Amen. 
And so we've been in a warning passage um, in Hebrews chapter 2. Um, we see that these people that the author is writing to, um, we see that he is calling them to perseverance. They are desiring, as we know as we've been studying this, to abandon the faith, to walk back to the Mosaic Covenant and the Mosaic economy, as we sometimes like to label it, okay? Under those ceremonial, uh, theocratic laws, ceremonial laws, under that covenant, the Mosaic Covenant. And so sometimes called the Old Covenant that we see in the New Testament. And they want to go back to that because under that, they did not know the level of persecution that they are now enduring and following Jesus Christ. So in light of that, this is the occasion which the author writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the human author speaking to them is telling them and calling them to persevere in the faith. And he's done this through many ways. Of course, one of the main ways he's done this through the entirety of the book is a simple contrast. Uh, the contrast between Jesus and, uh, and, and the, old the things and the people of the Old Covenant. He, he has pointed to the prophets and angels and to Moses and uh, to the Levitical code and system, the Levitical priesthood. And he has constantly used this wonderful word that we're going to see again later tonight, the word better. Jesus is better, 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 better. Okay, He's been using that the entire time. But the text that we find ourselves in chapter 10 is starting in verses 9 to 25. He started using encouragement, not starting, he's already used it, but he's using encouragement. He wanted to encourage them. And if you remember, it got to the let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider how to stimulate one another. Um, he was encouraging them to persevere. And then at the end of verse 25, there, there seems to be a sense of urgency when he writes, all the more as you see the day drawing near. Of course, we, we use the term the day means that, that coming of Christ, the day of judgment, the, the end of all things, far as when it com comes to a temporary earthly system and the new heavens and new earth are consummated, that Christ's kingdom is consummated, and we are with Christ. He's saying that's drawing near. And, and with the idea of that drawing near, let us do these things. And then he comes in verses 26 all the way to verse 31, and he even more so, just like he did in chapter 6, but I would say even more so, comes with a real stern warning. Now, you, some of you probably have study Bibles. You may read certain authors. And, and let me address this just really quickly. Some believe these warnings are hypothetical. Okay? What do I mean by hypothetical? Well, the situation, if it were to happen, hypothetically speaking, if, um, we believe that this apostasy that he's warning against can happen and does happen. Okay, these are not theoretical situations that he is warning them about. Uh, some brilliant men try to bring a third option to the text uh, because it makes us uncomfortable at times. But in this text, we, we believe that. We remember the four soils of Christ, right? And he told you of three, three, and specifically two. And we can even get smaller here because of persecution. There's one soil. Uh, the sea goes, doesn't get much root. Persecution arises. Tribulation, what happens? They leave. They're done. Uh, which I, I believe this is addressing some of that. So we believe it's real scenario. The author is concerned, all right? He, he's not uh, trying to uh, just, just manipulate them and scare them just because. He believes, and we believe, in the warnings of the Bible, okay? So, so just in passing, he's saying that. So he's been using warnings, and what we see tonight, he's been encouraging, he's been warning, and now he, he is uh, appealing to call them to remember, 
all right? And this is the context that we have tonight, that he is still calling them to perseverance. He's using different means. He's used encouragement. He is, has used warning. And now he's going to use their past, uh, their experiences of what they have already lived and, and, and walked through as a means to help them be strengthened for today. Okay, and we're going to see that in the Bible in general here in a moment on a couple of different occasions. So the goal of this book, to the glory of Christ, is the perseverance of these saints. Okay, and God loves us and loves you and loves these saints well enough to use all these means at his disposal wisely to help you persevere. Okay, we see this all through the book of Hebrews. So tonight we're going to see that he's going to use their past experiences to motivate them. He's going to use this appeal. So tonight, if I could, there, I say two points. The first being in our text is just an appeal to the past. An appeal to the past, okay? And, and how does he do that? Well, we can look at the screen. You can follow along with your Bibles, of course. But what does he call them to do? Very important here, the conjunction right here. We see, but remember the former days, okay? So he comes to them with an appeal. He obviously has some type of past relationship with them, knowing them, living with them. There's On some level, he knows them because he calls them to remember former days and he's going to get somewhat specific about what they have walked through in their persecution. But he calls on them to remember. This is an appeal, but the question is why, why remember? Now, this is what's important when the Bible starts speaking of the word remember. He is not calling them to just remember the facts of an event, of the former days. What type of former days? Well, you see that in the text here. I'm going to draw a line that I'll clean up right here. Former days of what? Suffering, okay? So he's telling them they need to go remember and they've suffered, okay? So, so real quick, we see suffering isn't new to these people. It's not, okay? So that's, that's important to remember this. They've been through suffering before. So he wants to remember the former days when they suffered, but why? He doesn't just want them just to remember the, the, the pure facts, right? Well, on this day, at this time, my, my boss mocked me for following Christ. You know, he doesn't want to just remember the facts of the situation. That's important. He doesn't just remember that the event happened. Yeah, it happened. And also, it's not like they have forgotten the persecution, okay? What is he calling to do here? Well, it's the same reason the Bible many times we see really a lot in the book of Deuteronomy, <laughs> but we see God so many times, just like the appeal here, in certain situations in our lives and circumstances, we need to pause and stop and remember. Okay? We need to remember. One of the main things that, that I do on Sunday mornings and the pastors do on a regular basis when we instruct, you know what we're helping you do? Remember. <laughs> Remember these things. Remember these things. Not just remember a fact, which a fact is important. Don't get me wrong. But why? Well, one of the things we do when we remember specifically for these folks, when they remember back to their times of suffering, they can remember the cause of their suffering. That's important. Think back. Think back. Remember in the former days of suffering, why were you suffering? He wants that to come to their mind. You've suffered before, but why did you suffer? They were following Christ. They were following Christ. We'll see that in a moment. Also, to appeal to this, I was reading one author uh, earlier today and, and thinking and drawing this up, and he said also to think about the honor of suffering. 
right? Do you remember the reaction of Peter and, and Acts and in chapter 4 as they're told not to preach about Jesus and they said no? <laughs> and they beat them? Do you remember they left what? Do you remember crying and whining and complaining how hard it is to follow Jesus? How do they leave? Bible students, how do they leave? Rejoicing. Why were they rejoicing? Counted worthy to suffer for the Lord Jesus. All right? So, so it's the same premise here in this text. That we, as we remember the past and remember events, specifically for them, remembering their suffering, it's the why to their suffering. It should remember Christ. The, the honor the honor and suffering, which is a whole study you could do in the book of Acts about how it is honorable and good and we should have full of, be full of joy in honoring Christ and suffering for Christ, I should say. But also to remember is this, is to remember God and His work in the midst of that suffering. See, as they call back the events and they remember, they go back, they remember God's faithfulness. They are recalling, they are remembering the faithfulness of God and why they are suffering. And because of that, do you know what remembering can do? It can strengthen you. It can give you joy. It can give you zeal as to why. There's been times in my life, as a personal illustration, I've questioned my call to ministries. It gets hard. And uh, understatement of the year, right? It gets hard. And, um, and maybe... Maybe things are not booming and all the baptisms, all this stuff, and, and, and ministers have a tendency to start second-guessing everything they do, right? And, and, am I not clear? Am I this? Am I, and ultimately get to a place, is am I called? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing, <laughs> you know? And, um, and the advice I've always received, and I've received a lot of different types of advice, advice but one is what? Remember your call. Remember your call. Remember who called you. Remember that he is faithful. Remember the promises of the gospel. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The word will not return void. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Remember, James, it's not based upon your efforts. Remember, James, you can't build the church. You can't make these things happen. You can scheme and plan and do. Christ builds and Christ does. Remember, 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 right? And so what does that do for me? Well, y'all see me in the pulpit. Gets me fired up. Hey, all right, this is not about James. So think about even here and in your own personal life and the people in this text who are battling at work to keep their jobs because it's not that they're not a good employee, but they follow Christ. They choose Christ. They're being mocked and maligned, and we'll see a little bit more here in a moment. But, but he is calling them to remember the sufferings and remember who was with them. They can be strengthened for further trials, and also, it will increase their love for God in future trials. Why is that? God was with me then. God is with me now. And you know, you know this as, as adults who are mature and you're growing in Christ. How many times when the trial was present now, you say this, I know this is hard, but I remember 25 years ago when I walked through this and he was faithful to keep me and stay with me. So in the moment, what does it do? It strengthens you, it encourages you, it reminds you of the love of God and the love that you have for God in that moment as well, that He keeps you. So we see in this text that they are calling and remembering. This is, there's a regular appeal in the Scriptures. And I'm not going to turn there, but go to Deuteronomy. I challenge you sometimes, you want to do a word study. <laughs> go to Deuteronomy, um, go to chapters 5, 7, 8, and 9 and see how many times... <laughs> 
God through Moses is saying, remember when, remember when, remember what I did to Pharaoh, remember I rescued you, do you remember when y'all were tempting me, do you remember, 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 okay? We're not going to do that tonight because that's like five chapters. So we see in this text, there's an appeal to the past, there's an appeal for even us in this room to remember because God is faithful. So that's the first thing we see. There's an appeal. We, we need to make it a discipline. If I, if I could use that language this evening, make it a discipline um, of remembering. And, and we seek to do that. That's why we read Scripture because we forget. And God speaks through His Scripture. I mean, even we have an ordinance, do we not? And what's the, the basis of that ordinance? Why do we do it so often? Because Jesus said what? Do this in remembrance of me. So we see... That in their former days, he's appealing them to remember their sufferings. And specifically, let's look at the description. The timing and the description now. Okay, Remember your sufferings and why they need to remember. But look at the context he puts here. Okay, After, look at this connection. And, and this is a good connection I want us to look at. When, when, when did the sufferings happen? When, what time? After being enlightened. Now, this is the same word he used in Hebrews chapter 6, and it reminds us again of enlightenment, that we were in darkness. Our minds, because of sin, our sinful nature, our minds were hostile to God. Paul even argues in that text, the carnal mind cannot, does, that means does not have the ability to submit to God's law, does not desire it, and does not want it, and will not do it. Okay, It's a darkness of mind. Paul later uses the language that your minds were dark and alienated from the gospel, from the truth of Christ. So in sin and in Adam fallen, our minds, our hearts were in darkness. And then it's enlightened. What do we mean by that? Well, the regenerating, part of the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit is that He enlightens you. He illumines the darkness, right? He, he, he shatters the darkness in our minds and our hearts and all that is changed. And we are able to believe God... Faith is a gift, but God does not believe for us. We believe because our hearts and our minds have been opened with the precious gift of faith. And so we trust in Christ, and therefore we're justified by faith and faith alone and Christ alone. And so we understand we go from darkness to light and knowing Jesus Christ. And, and think about this. After being enlightened, look at the text. What happens? What's the connection here? You... Okay, the pronoun, he went from we to you in the scripture. And then he says, endured a great conflict of sufferings. So what he's reminding them of is that you come to know Christ. And if you want to see what I'm talking about here, you can go read the entire book of Acts. How quickly would a church be birthed? And then how quickly would that church uh, be persecuted? Immediately. Go, go, go read chapter 15 and 16 and 17 of Acts. Go read about Thessalonica and Jason. And, and there's Paul in there. All of a sudden, they're preaching the gospel. Men and women are being uh, born again. They're being converted. They're being saved. The church is birthed. Boom! In that region. And I'm telling you, if not hours, if not days, guess what's happening? There's riots. These guys are turning the world upside down. They're going to do it in your town too. We don't want them. So think about that. We're not talking about people suffering who've been in the faith for 25, 30, 40 years. We're talking sometimes maybe days. Okay? And so we see there's a connection here. Biblically shows us that we need to get in a frame of mind to understand when we choose Christ and we are in Christ and when we walk with Christ, walking with Christ means we carry a cross. 
okay? The path of Christ is the path of the cross, okay? Deny thyself, pick up a what? Cross. Another way of saying it, deny thyself, pick up sufferings, okay? Tribulations and reproaches, and follow me. Jesus is being clear, right, about how we follow him. He's not, he's not a, a con man. I told someone Sunday afternoon, I said, Jesus was right up front telling you, you better count the cost. They crucified him, right? We're his followers. Should we not be surprised when we suffer just like our Lord? No, we shouldn't be. And so we understand this connection here. So they, they endured a great conflict of sufferings, which a great conflict of sufferings, this word suffering there, and I'm not going to get off to that, that's just an umbrella word for all kinds of sufferings. Okay, they went through all kinds of things, which he's going to show here in a minute. But here's the big word, right? He encourages them here. This is an encouraging text, is it not? What's he use here? How did they do it? They endured. They endured it. He didn't say they, they tried and failed. But he's already at the beginning of this text. He's encouraging them by saying, remember those days of that suffering after you come to know Christ? And we carry a cross for Christ. But beloved, if I could sound like a good Baptist preacher, but beloved... You endured. You endured. You carried that cross. And I would encourage you for future study of this book, keep that word endured there because we're going to see it again later on in further study. So we see, after being enlightened, they endured a great conflict of sufferings. Acts is full of that example, okay? They're carrying their cross. And, and we can ask the question too real quick and... and I wish one of the things as Americans, especially in, in American Christianity, I should say, that we would develop more is that theology of suffering, of understanding biblical suffering. But, but it's not that God is picking on them. It's not that God has abandoned them. It's that God is strengthening their faith. God is sanctifying them. And also God is demonstrating his power. I mean, you read through the book of Acts, you see a lot of suffering. You know what else you see? What else do you see? You see, you see miracles, you see what? You see the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit through preaching of the gospel accompanying all those things as well. So the Lord shows his power to them. So verses 33 and 34. So how? How, how do they endure a great conflict of sufferings? What, what does that look like? How do they endure it? And then he, he sort of divides it up here in our text, right? He, by using this word, partly and partly. So we got two parts here. <laughs> partly, partly, but anyway. All right. So, partly. We see one way that they endure this. How do they do this? We says, how are they suffering? Okay. All right. You endured, but what does that suffering look like? See, this is where it shows that he has some relationship with them, and he's not just doing general talk to them. He's talking about something specific that he knows about in their lives, either personally being there with them or hearing through other people talking to them. One is what? Here's one way, a public spectacle, okay? One of the ways they suffered, they were made a public spectacle. That means this was not behind closed doors type suffering. This was not just at the dinner table and, and the wife says something to you, which that's a form of suffering too. But he's saying you suffered. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm talking about you're following Christ, she's not. Let me be careful <laughs> with that. I saw Hamp bust a gut, and I was like, no, 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 okay, all right, Co context, 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 okay, I love talking to my wife, all right, so we see that one of it is a, is a public spectacle, okay, 
So what do we see? How they made a public spectacle. There's a means by which this was done. And the text says through insults and distress, okay? Now, in some texts you will read at different times, it says through reproaches and tribulations. Now, what's important about the reproaches is usually in this term being used, a reproach is a word, uh, an action that proceeds from a malicious heart or malicious hatred. Okay, that's a strong word. That means there are people who publicly are insulting them, but it's not just how you kid with someone and poke them in the side, right? They are speaking words of insult to them and reproach to them in the community and it's coming from a malicious heart that they truly do not like these people. Walking into Penny Lanes, walking into Dollar General, and people standing by with malicious intent in their heart and insulting you, not because of who you vote for, not because of the stickers on your car, not because of your opinions, but truly because you choose Jesus above all other things. This is the reality that they are living in at that time. There's a public spectacle. I mean, we even see at times, again, I can't help but go to the book of Acts. It's a wonderful commentary, a live historical commentary about what's going on. But you see riots, right? You have actual riots happening, trying to kill these people. That's pretty public, right? You imagine a riot downtown going, we are tired of First Baptist. We're tired of hearing the Jesus and, and the righteousness and the holy. We're tired, we're tired. Y'all got to do something. You got to cut the power off, the water off, condemn the building, do something. We want them gone, right? That's a reality we see in the book of Acts taking place. So it's insults and distress. And in some, again, translations say tribulations that are offered to them. So this is happening Part of their suffering, it is public with insults and distress, tribulations, okay? But also, it says, and partly by becoming companions with those who were so treated. So what's interesting here, though, that he, he's appealing to them in this text. One of the things, too, of suffering is public spectacle. But are y'all catching this? During the time of their suffering... They were not whining and complaining. A matter of fact, they choose to do ministry. How do they do ministry? Well, it says here, by becoming, and, and I like this word too. This word companions is good, but I do like this term too. Sharers with those who are so treated. They were sharers with those so treated. So not only are they suffering themselves, when they saw others who were suffering for Christ. They did the one another's. You remember earlier in chapter verse 25, it says, not forsaking our own assembly together. Why is that important? Because if we forsake, we forget. When you forsake, you forget. You ever notice how it's easier to, to as you drift away from people, it's easier to have a more uh, a stern, um, distant, feeling about them you, 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 you don't you don't pay attention as much you don't care and that drift begins it gets easier and easier and easier and easier and easier well see here not forsaking the assembly and coming together they know others who are suffering because of their relationship with Christ what did they choose to do they just raised their hand well, we'll be praying for you brother no it says they share in that suffering 
they share with those who are being treated the same. So think about that for a moment. The one another's. They share in that. The Bible tells us when one is weeping, we all weep. We weep with them. When one rejoices, we rejoice with them. And, and, and we could add this, if you will. When one suffers, guess what we want to do with them? We'll suffer with them. And see, that's one of the beauties of why he's telling them don't forsake one another. Is that we, if we do suffer for the cause of Christ, it is together. And we're not alone in following Jesus. Following Jesus is such grace and it's such beauty. There's such power. And yet there's, it's, it's hard. And it's even harder when you do it alone. Like our pastors, we have a preaching lab. And, and I remember telling one minister, I said, don't, don't die on the vine. What I meant was don't just hang out there by yourself and isolate yourself. You will wither away. You will shrink. You will fall. You will die on the vine. It's the same for us. They, at one time, being made a public spectacle, and at the same time, what were they doing? They were sharing one another. It, it could have been a food. It could have been a visiting. How many times you read of the Apostle Paul, like in the book of Philippians, the prison epistles, and he says, hey, so-and-so refreshed me. So-and-so encouraged me. Even Paul needed that in prison in writing epistles. But, verse 34, we get a more clear picture of how they did share. How did they did share those who were treated? He gives a specific example in verse 34. What did they do? They showed sympathy to the prisoners. So one of the things they did in becoming champions or share, companions and sharing with those who are being treated is they showed sympathy or compassion to those in prison. And in this context, I know this is hard for us to gather here in an American context, and thank God for our freedoms, I'm telling you. Someone being in jail for the cause of Christ was an everyday reality. Somebody, oh, Pastor James, no, they put him back in jail. <laughs> and and not, like, not like the way, it's not like the American version, but it'd be like, well, because he's teaching Christ. He, he won't be, he's on the corner, and he's talking about Christ. He's in the marketplace, he's talking about Christ. All these type of things. And that, well, they let him out. Well, sister so-and-so. She was put in jail because she would use her house for a meeting. So they put her in jail. And we don't know how long she's going to be there. Some never got out, right? Some were martyred, fed to lions, killed, slaughtered for the cause of Christ, because of Christ, for the testimony of the gospel. And so we understand that they, what, they had compassion on those people. So it go again, again, the one another's, it shows at the core of being the body of Christ that we are united Together, by the virtue of the Holy Spirit, we are one body and we are called and obligated to care for one another. We need to know each other and love each other and then show compassion to those who are in the midst of trials and tribulations. But specifically, according to our text, it is because of fallen Christ that they are in prison. And we also see noted here, and they accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. How about that? Not only are you going to prison, but they're going to take your stuff. Can we as Americans really grasp that? We really, it's really strong. It's, it's, I'm, I struggle with it as I'm studying it. Like, that's amazing. But you're not going to come take my car. You're not going to come just take my property. Well, they may. They may do that. And what was their attitude? Their attitude is not that they just accepted it. 
joyfully accepted it. Remember a while ago I talked about what was Peter's reaction to being persecuted for Christ? He saw it as an honor, walked away joyfully. Their homes, their property, whatever it looks like in that context, we are told the type of heart that they have in that moment. Why is he mentioning this? Let's be a Bible student for a moment. Why is he using the term joyfully? Yes, we trust God's providence. We joyfully, we're content in all situations because God's will is right. But remember, what's the context? What do these people want to do? Go back and run away. And he said, there was a time that you were joyful, not just in the easy times. You were joyful in Christ when they were taking your stuff away for Christ, because of Christ. So, that, so it's implied there what the contrast. And the other implication, if I was sort of preaching to that church, what happened? What happened? Did Jesus change? Did the promises change? What, 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 what has happened? But to me, here is a driving, a driving point for the text. And I'm not saying it's the all point. But how, how, could they, how could they do all this suffering, right, that we just talked about from, from the top, from the beginning? How, how, as he says, they remember the former days, remember all this suffering, but he's really drawing a line here, if, if I may, just for a moment. If I may, that's not it. If I may just for a moment pull this down, and I'm going to shrink it if you'll bear with me. He wants them to remember their suffering. But this is what he's driving at to remember. All right? I want you to remember your mindset. This was your mindset. What was your mindset? We see it, do we not? Let me fix it. My apologies. What's your mindset here? Knowing, knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting position. possession. Now, yes, it's connected to the seizure of property statement. That's important. It's connected to that. But at the core, undergirding all of this joyful acceptance, sympathy, loving, all the endurance, what, what's undergirding all of that? There is a knowledge. There, there is a knowing. And it's not just knowing facts. Facts, facts are important, as we're going to see here. But, but, it, but it's knowing something. And what is knowing so far has been the buildup of who? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And specifically, what does he say? Knowing, here, and he gets very specific, that you have for yourselves, remember the term I talked about earlier that's been used a lot? Better and lasting possession. Now, why, why, why is this important? This knowledge of knowing I have a better and lasting possession is because of a person that he's been arguing for the entire time. You knew because you have Christ, he's saying. You knew that. During those times of tribulations, the reason you had joy is because you knew Christ. And what has Christ promised you? Something better than just having houses and homes and cars. Has he not? Matter of fact, go to Matthew chapter 5. Let's read a specific promise Jesus made. Go to verse 11 as we wrap up here. 
Verse 11, verse 12. Y'all probably remember this on a Sunday night not too long ago. Blessed are you when people insult you. That sounds familiar. Persecute you. Falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of whom? Me. That's important. Then learn verse 12. Rejoice. Hey. So, so they're in the middle of, of being persecuted and they're called to do what? Rejoice, right? They're called to rejoice. Okay? And be glad. Why? For your reward in heaven is great. And for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we see here an application of the promise of Jesus in the Beatitudes that these people needed uh, uh, to believe and to know that was in Him. And it's the same for you and me, that you and I have a better possession, a better inheritance because we have a better Savior. We have a better King and a better kingdom. And you and I as sons and daughters adopted in Christ by union of the Holy Spirit, by faith alone in Christ alone, you and I have a heavenly country, to use Hebrews 11, but you and I have a heavenly land, a kingdom, and co-heirs with Christ. We have a better possession and a lasting possession that Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, but He tells us that moth cannot touch it, Rust cannot touch it. Uh, uh, the thieves cannot get to it and steal it. First Peter tells us that sin and time, nothing can defile or touch what we have in Jesus Christ. So what, what is our response? If we can turn to one more passage, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit Himself. By the way, you see that? The Holy Spirit's a He, right? Never referred to it as an It. It's a per He is a per I almost said it again. He is a person. The Spirit Himself testifies. This is what the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. Why does that matter? Verse 17. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, catch this, fellow heirs with Christ. So that means everything Christ has purchased and has, it is yours as well. Okay? Go on. And he goes and says, if we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So did Christ suffer? He did. Was Christ exalted and was Christ glorified? Amen, he was. And what happens to those who will suffer with him? They too will know a glorification. All right. Then read this. Here's sort of a, 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 a climactic moment, if you will. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we see in this text this evening, this knowing of a better possession, a lasting one, it is rooted in the person and work of Jesus. And so to motivate us and to motivate them to perseverance, there is encouragement, there is warnings, but there is for a call for us to remember what God has done 
remember who he is, what he has done, but also we see according to this text to remember so that we are knowing what you yourselves have. That means have possession of. You hear that? It's possession. You possess it in Christ. If Christ possessed it, so do you. And what is that? Something better, something lasting. So what an encouragement after coming off such a stern warning to look at them and said, you've endured, you've lived through this, you joyful lived through it because you knew the truth of who Jesus is and you have a better and lasting possession to go through all of that. And the next week, this is where he gets to the four, the four. What's the problem? He tells them in Hebrews, therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And we'll see, look at that next week. Any questions as we go to prayer? Anybody? All right, very well. Anything I'm not sure I was clear on or talking about my marriage for some reason un unconsciously, um, subconsciously. But, um, but as, as we spend some uh, time in prayer uh, this evening, uh, uh, I do know several we, we need to be praying for. Um, one, uh, uh, 